good day. On Champagne and Murder, Please, we cover some sensitive topics not meant for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Today's episode, the drink of choice, was a truly mango lemonade. Drink up. And this week's special shout-out goes to neighbor Amanda. Hey, neighbor. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Champagne and Murder, Please. Once again, I have my co-host Mark with me today. That's me. <laughs> How was your week, Mark? Pretty solid so far, thanks for asking. Yeah. yeah. Really looking forward to a nice Friday. I'm really looking forward to Saturday. Ah, yes, the infamous Halloween party. Yes, the infamous Halloween party that I finally finished decorating the barn for. So. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it being over. I'm not. <laughs> Looking forward to doing some dancing, looking forward to some solid costumes, maybe winning an I award, mean, who knows. I do have the awards ready for everybody, so I'm pretty pretty excited about that part. And they look quite nice. Thank you. Worked really hard on those. So today we're going to talk about some haunted houses. Ooh, spooky. So I'm going to go first, and my house is the Velisca Axe Murder House. My sources come from roadtrippers.com. Dark House Podcast, HouseBeautiful.com, and AllThat'sInteresting.com. In a small 2,000-person town in Villisca, Iowa, sits a dollhouse-like farmhouse looking all too quaint for the horrors that took place within its walls. The night of June 10, 1912, mere hours before the killings, the Moore family had gone to church, which ended at 9.30 p.m. First off, 9.30 p.m.? That's a little late. A little late for me for church. I was going to say, that seems, I've heard of midnight mass, but never 9.30 p.m. That's, mass. that's a little much for me. They arrived back at the house around 9.45 or 10. Cigarette butts in the attic led investigators to believe that the killer snuck into the attic while the family was out and hid there until they fell asleep. Like most people in Villisca at the time, the Moore family didn't lock the doors to their house when they went to church. I mean, who does? And I... I don't. I probably you do. should. Uh, you do, actually. Last I <laughs> yes, checked, you do. I totally do. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. The Moore family, along with the Stillinger sisters, were peacefully sleeping in their beds. The parents, Josiah and Sarah Moore, were the first victims. The killer only used the blade of the weapon on Josiah, who received the most brutal beating. The rest of the victims were murdered with the blunt side of the axe, which belonged to Josiah. The family friends who were staying in the guest room, Ina Mae Stillinger, age 8, and Lena Gertrude Stillinger, age 12, were the last to be killed. All of the victims except Lena appeared to have been asleep when they died. Lena was the only one who appeared to have defensive wounds and was laying across the bed. The axe was left in the guest room, next to a four-pound piece of slab bacon. Hmm. So they use... The sharp side on the bacon, but the blunt side. They got to tenderize it first with the Uh blunt side, and then they cut it with Uh, the sharp side. I gotcha. Interesting. That was just the calling card, just a slice of bacon? It must be. Hmm. At some point, the killer had covered all of the mirrors in the house with blankets and clothes and cooked himself a plate of food, which was left untouched in the kitchen. He also left behind a bowl of bloody water, I'm assuming to clean up after himself. There's something so hauntingly intriguing about the little details like this in Unsolved Murders. 
The gruesome killings were discovered the next morning when Mary Peckham, the Moore's neighbor, noticed that the family hadn't started their morning chores around 7 a.m. She called Russ Moore, Josiah's brother, who let himself in with his copy of the house key. After discovering the bodies of the Stillingers, he called the local peace officer, who then called in the investigators. So, so one second, though. Wasn't the house not locked? The house was not locked. So why did he let himself in with the house key? Because it was locked when he got there. Ah. So the murderer must have locked it when he left. And then left, let himself out. Yeah. Interesting. Very strange. Police, the coroner, a minister, and several doctors had thoroughly combed the crime scene. Word of what had occurred in the Moore's home spread through the town, and a crown had gathered outside. Once the home was cleared by officials, at least 100 townspeople traipsed through the blood-splattered home. One person even took a piece of Josiah's skull as a keepsake. I think I could have picked something a little nicer than that. Or just left it alone. (laughs) There were plenty of suspects, but the murder was never solved. One suspect, Reverend George Kelly, was actually tried for the murders. Kelly was a traveling minister who was in town the night of the crime. He was at the service of the Moore family that the Moore family attended before their deaths, but inexplicably left town between 5 and 5.30 a.m. the next morning. Hmm. He showed a suspicious interest in the murders, though, and after being in and out of trouble with the law for sending obscene material through the mail and a stint in a mental hospital... He was arrested for the murders in 1917. He confessed, then recanted, and was eventually tried and acquitted. It seems that most people didn't believe that he was mentally or physically capable of the murders. Naturally, a house with such a dark and mysterious past quickly attracted rumors of a haunting. The house was lived in for years after the murder, although families never stayed for long. From what I've read, there's not a ghostly phenomenon that hasn't been reported in the house. The disembodied footsteps, things moving, voices, apparitions, shadows, bad vibes, you name it, the Velisca Axe Murder House has it. Probably a chair that rocks on its own somewhere. Probably. Probably shadows and doors. I've only ever been in one house where the chair always rocked, but that was in Oregon, so. Was that because the floor was crooked? I think probably just haunted. (laughs) Probably just haunted. It's been on basically every ghost hunting show, from ghost adventures to scariest places on earth, and all of the essential spooky podcasts, including Dark House and My Favorite Murder. Mm-hmm. Karen in Georgia. Mm-hmm. In 2014, a man staying there on an overnight ghost hunt ex- inexplicably stabbed himself, <laughs> an event that made national news. The town of Villisca is small, but it's a welcome oasis of civilization in an unending ocean of farmland. The Velisca Axe Murder House is right in the middle of a residential neighborhood, and its quaint and cozy exterior is a stark contrast to the legend that surrounds it. The house itself is kept in pristine condition, so the sales, booth, gift shop, and bathroom are in the old barn on the other side of the tiny but tidy backyard. As life goes on around it, the horrors committed within the house remain frozen in time. And that is my story, so Mark, what have you got for us? I'll be covering Franklin Castle, Ohio's most haunted home. Sources, allitsinteresting.com. Built in the 1880s in Cleveland, Ohio by a German immigrant named Hans Tiedemann, turn-of-the-century charm and elegant turrets, it would seem the Franklin Castle would be home of anyone's dreams. But this castle is more nightmare than dream. Bum, bum, bum. The beautiful home quickly became the site of multiple tragedies. 
Some would claim these tragedies were due to bad luck. Others say something much more sinister was at work. Paranormal investigators have visited the home to see if they could witness any of the reported haunting events. People have heard babies crying, or seeing a woman in a window, or feeling cold in certain rooms. So what exactly happened to this castle that has made it so haunted? What happened? That's Please tell me. Um, I, I I'm plan on it. waiting. Hans Tiedemann seemed to have had fulfilled the American dream. He had made his fortune as a wholesale grocer. I mean, that is the American dream. And went on to co-found the Union Banking and Savings Company. Having all this money, he decided to build his new mansion on the fancy Franklin Boulevard. Fancy. Hans wanted a big house, or wanted a house big enough for his family, but also be able to temporarily house German immigrants. Well, that's a good lofty goal. Especially during the time. The Cadell and Richardson design firm were the lucky ones to design the four-story, 20-room mansion. Hans was so proud, he dubbed it Franklin Castle. Nice. Unfortunately, it wouldn't be long until the first tragedy would strike. The family moved in in January 1881, and shortly after, their 15-year-old daughter, Emma, ended up dying from diabetes. Mm-hmm. Hans's mother then died shortly after that, and between 1886 and 1888, Hans and his wife would have to bury three more of their children at Franklin Castle. That's unfortunate. That's too many. If that wasn't bad enough, it was only the beginning. In the 1920s, Franklin Castle started to develop its unconventional reputation. It was sold to the German Socialist Society, where it allegedly became the site of illegal liquor production during Prohibition and mm-hmm. a haven for German Nazi spies during World War II. Mm. Boo, indeed. Hauntings were not reported until the 1960s. The Romano family moved into the house with their six children, and they were hoping to turn it into a restaurant. Instead of a bustling restaurant, they found themselves contending with ghosts. That's never what you want. (laughs) Exactly not. I mean, unless... Terrible waitstaff is one thing. In a certain situation, though, ghosts in that situation might actually work out for, you know, either better or worse service, which is then... Are are they going to do the dishes for you? More client. If they could do the dishes, then uh, I think that would be solid. You can stay. Allegedly, the haunted start... Or, allegedly, the haunting started right away. The day they moved in, two of their children claimed to have encountered a girl crying, or a girl crying in white, on the third floor of the house. When their mother went to investigate, she didn't find anyone there. Heavy footsteps and strange organ music were next, or were the next spooky thing to happen. Strange organ music. Strange organ, like actually from an organ. Hopefully, not just organ not music. Not just body organ. Not just beans that <laughs> night. Mrs. Romano woke up or woke one night to herself screaming on her bedroom floor, while an unseen presence was sitting beside her also screaming. The two older Romano children woke up 
the blankets being yanked, or yanked off of their beds. The family called in a priest, and he advised them to move out. And finally, in 1974, they did. Mrs. Yeah. Romano was convinced the house was getting the best of her. She believed she knew who was haunting her. Lois Tideman. And the girl crying was Emma Tideman's daughter. Hmm. I'm glad she knew what was happening. Or sorry, was Emma Tideman's daughter. The hauntings continued even after that, uh, or even after the Romanos left. Uh, Sam Muscatello wanted to capitalize on the reputation of the house by inviting the local media to come and see the house themselves. Many of them ended up having strange experiences while exploring the house and grounds. John Webster described how this, or how his tape recorder was snatched and tossed down the stairs. He said, I just stood there holding the microphone as I watched the tape recorder go flying down to the bottom of the stairs where it broke into pieces. Obviously, they did not want to be interviewed. No, thank you. The house was sold again and again and again after that. Each new owner reporting strange occurrences like walking through odd vapors hearing children crying, or seeing a woman in black hovering in the window. Suspicion turned to the original owners as the reports of the haunting kept coming in. Tragedy follows Hans Tideman. While residing in the house, he had lost his mother, children, and his wife. That's a hard, hard blow to take. Not exactly the best mansion to live in. I don't think the vibes would be good. Definitely not good vibes. But what if he had had a hand in their demise? Emma and Lois's death seemed more suspicious now. Stories would spread that Tideman had hung his niece from the rafters and killed him, and killed the mistress in jealous rage. Today, Franklin Castle is considered one of the most haunted houses in the United States. But it was Hans Tideman who slowly, or but was it Hans Tideman who slowly murdered his own family? Question mm. mark. William Kretschke doesn't think so. Cleveland's author and investigative <laughs> historian <clears throat> wrote a book called Haunted Franklin Castle. He believes the stories about Hans Hans's cruelty have been inflated over time. They were very kind they were very kind people. Mr. Tideman was a benefactor of the community, he explained. Hans was a generous man. He gave often to various charities. He was not the monster that has been, or that he has been made out to be in all these stories about the castle. There's just no truth to that. Fair enough. Not one of the deaths at the castle were foul play, Kretschke added. All this makes for is a fantastic ghost story, and who doesn't love a good ghost story? I do. There's just one problem. Hardly any of it, hardly any of it is true. With all that is said, Kretschke agrees that the house is haunted. When he visited himself, he had a number of strange experiences. Small stuff, footsteps, voices, and or the radio turning on, on my phone. Things like that, it's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. So now he's turned the page a little bit on that one. I think so. Franklin Castle is now a private residence, and the current owners are mum about recent hauntings. The house remains a popular stop on ghost tours, even though it's only viewable from the outside. Haunting aficionados claim that you can see the ghost of Lois still standing in the window. Maybe we'll have to visit that sometime. Maybe. It's only Ohio. Not too far. Franklin Castle will keep its secrets, striking windows, 
soaring turbots, but it only masks the horrific crimes that took place. Or it may simply show how one immigrant's American dream turned out to be a nightmare. Dun, dun, dun. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and thank you for tuning in to our haunted house episode. And remember, stay safe and don't take candy from strangers. Bye. Toodaloo. And so remember, if you like champagne and murder, please tune into our next episode about weird laws. Strange.